Hey everyone, it's Blake Lovell and welcome in to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. On today's episode of the podcast, I am flying solo here as we look at some quick hitter topics in the world of professional wrestling. And let's start with the upcoming Impact Rebellion pay-per-view, which is going to take place on Sunday, uh, headlined by the big title versus title match featuring Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan. Before we get into that match, Let's talk about the card itself, uh, which is going to feature uh, Finn Juice taking on the Good Brothers uh, for the Impact World Tag Team titles. You've got Ace Austin taking on Josh Alexander and TJP for the Impact X Division Championship. Deanna Perazzo defends her Impact Knockouts title against Tennille Dashwood. Uh, Trey Miguel taking on Sammy Callahan. Matt Cardona uh, one-on-one with Brian Myers. Then you also have uh, Chris Saban, Eddie Edwards, James Storm, and Willie Mack going up against Violent by Design, uh, which is Eric Young, Diener, Joe Doring, and Rhino. And you've also got uh, Jordan Grace and a partner to be determined uh, taking on Fire and Flava, which is Kira Hogan and Tasha Steele. So a pretty good lineup there for the Impact uh, Rebellion show. Uh, but obviously, again, all the attention is going to be on the main event and really the outcome of the main event uh, there because uh, it is not often, of course, that we see uh, a cross-promotional title versus title match uh, when you talk about two promotions of this magnitude. Uh, of course, AEW, if you look at the ratings recently since uh, you know the quote-unquote Wednesday Night War uh, that was uh, having AEW and NXT on the same night, uh, both companies doing pretty well now that they've split uh, with NXT on Tuesdays, AEW on Wednesdays, and AEW's done a pretty good job uh, thus far in the ratings, uh, getting over a million uh, in the viewership, and uh, so they have to be happy with that. But that also brings up the question of, you know, this match in and of itself, and what does it do uh, for both parties involved? Because the main theme has been the fact that AEW really hasn't mentioned uh, this match much at all on their programming. Um, I know some have discussed it sort of just playing up the storyline of Tony Khan and and doing the paid ads and those kind of things Um, and basically just not bring it up uh, much at all, um, knowing that I'm not sure how they want to promote this, but this has really been an impact first type thing where impact has done sort of the heavy lifting on this in terms of the promotion of the match. Uh, You had the press conference, which I thought was done really, really well uh, in terms of doing the press conference to hype up this match. I thought that made it have sort of a big match feel, which it is. Um, And you're also bringing in more Ronaldo to call the match. Uh, You also, you know, I thought Impact did a really good job too, having him do uh, some of these specials. And, you know, they brought in other people as well to kind of really help build up this match between these two uh but it does beg the question you know is this going to be as predictable as some people think wherein is going to be the the scenario that kenny omega you know walks out of rebellion with the impact title i think at this point um you know this is obviously another step in the working relationship between these two uh we know there's the potential for others to be involved whether that's new japan um and elsewhere but I think this is certainly a scenario where you just are are looking ahead and wondering how you can come up with something here to where Kenny Omega loses this match. I don't necessarily just see that happening. I think, again, I, I know it seems predictable in terms of where this is headed, but 
you know, sometimes that's best for the the bigger picture and the bigger story. Um, would this be a huge boost for Rich Swan? Absolutely. If he were to win this match, um, and that's where I think the questions have come in. Well, if Rich Swan's actually going to wind up winning this thing, um, AEW has really not mentioned him, you know, at all whatsoever um, in terms of their their promotion of this. So. I think that is something that you certainly think about in the back of your head if you're trying to find scenarios here to where maybe this is one of those just completely shocking type moments in wrestling where Swan actually wins this match. Um, I, again, don't see it myself uh, just in terms of that happening. Uh, but I, I do think it's going to be interesting in terms of how they go about the finish here. Um, you know, is it just a straight, clean Kenny Omega pins Rich Swan to win the Impact title? Um, is that the scenario? Uh, because, you know, one of the things they teased as well at the press conference was there's going to be referees from both promotions involved here. So you'll have an AEW referee, you'll have an Impact referee. I know some have wondered, does that mean there's going to be some type of shenanigans at the end? Um, I, I have a feeling there's going to be some shenanigans. I don't know if it's going to necessarily uh, be the thing at the very end of the match that factors into, you know, the one, two, three. But you have to believe with the elite um, on the prowl and and other potential options there, uh, you feel like that there could be some sort of um, you know shenanigans involved here, whether that's uh, someone helping Omega um, or however you want to look at it. But but you have to believe that that could be an option, or you know maybe they do just go straight up wrestling match where you have these two guys um, a a really you know big fight feel. And one of those situations uh, where they can just make this a, a true wrestling match, because again, you do have Marl on, on commentary. Um, you've really kind of hyped this up on impact side, of course, um, as this being just a, a huge, huge deal. And uh, maybe that is the, the way they go, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's some sort of involvement with the elite here. Um, I know some have also said, could this be one where they just do not have a finish? I, I just cannot see that happening. I don't think you can do that for a match like this where, you know, all of a sudden it just comes out and you get sort of a no finish and um, it's just pretty much chaos and you got to, you know, got a brouhaha everywhere. I don't see that happening. I just don't think you could do that on pay-per-view uh, at this point, especially given uh, what they've done to build up this match. Uh, you're bringing in Moro, like we said, the press conference, all this other stuff. I just don't think you can do that. Um, so the most likely scenario for me if i'm if i'm a betting man um if there are betting sites out there which i'm sure there are that, that have betting odds uh, on this match um i'm probably betting on kenny omega because uh that seems to be the direction they're going as the belt collector uh for him to pick up the impact title uh but this is going to be uh very intriguing i mean any way you look at it i still think it's you know there's obviously something that can sell you on this match even if you think that you have a pretty good idea of who's going to win. I think there's still some intrigue involved of, in how they do it. Um, and then maybe what the next step is after that, you know, if, if Omega does win, is there something in the post-match? Is there a big angle? Is there something like that that could sort of lead into that next program or maybe the next step uh, for both of these promotions? So uh, I think that's an appealing aspect of having this as your main event as well. So we'll see uh, how it turns out at Impact Rebellion. Um, I, I think it's it's going to be a, a good pay-per-view. Like I said, it's really not just uh, this one match. I mean, I think you've got some good matches on this card. Um, this, to me, feels like one of you know Impact's better cards in, in recent uh, months overall. So uh, I think this could actually be a pretty fun show uh, from top to bottom. So it uh, should be interesting, again, to see how everything plays out with the main event, uh, but you've also got some compelling uh, matches elsewhere. So uh, maybe Kenny Omega comes out and um, you just have sort of the next step 
and the overarching theme, I think, for him in terms of, you know, the bell collector and, and all these other things. Uh, so we'll see if, if that's what happens uh, with the main event there when the title versus title match between Kenny Omega and Rich Swan. Also wanted to discuss uh, the post-WrestleMania fallout uh, for WWE. We talked about that on last week's episode of the podcast with post-wrestling's Andrew Thompson. And uh, we mentioned, you know, the, the releases were the biggest topic, uh, considering that they had happened, you know, a few hours before we actually recorded. Uh, but we did mention some of the the post-WrestleMania stuff and where does WWE go from here with some of the, the storylines uh, after WrestleMania. And I think it's been it's been interesting thus far. Uh, I did mention in a conversation we had with Andrew last week that I think one of the things WWE has struggled with at times, and this is nothing new. I mean, people have brought this up over the years, um, is that that post WrestleMania lull where you don't really know if if there's consistency with some of the stories that they do, or if they put their champions or some of their high profile people who maybe get those big moments at WrestleMania necessarily in the best position to follow up on that and keep that momentum going. Uh, there's one person in particular uh, that has been able to do that, and that is Cesaro, uh, who got his big singles win at WrestleMania against Seth Rollins. And now it seems like, to this point, um, while I don't know if if you know this match is going to happen at WrestleMania Backlash, if it's going to be Cesaro versus Roman Reigns for the Universal title, but uh, that is at least the direction it seems that they're heading in to that match at some point, uh, whether that is, you know, as soon as, as WrestleMania backlash uh, or if it's later down the road. Uh, but I do think it's, it's at least a good sign for Cesaro that it's not just one of those where, as we've said so many times throughout his career, uh, it's a start and stop with him. And it's been that way. You know, you can go back to the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Um, you can pick other times throughout his tenure in WWE where you felt like, okay, they're finally starting to give him that push and then it just comes back the other way, uh, and he just kind of levels off into someone that, you know, maybe they just don't really seem to invest in much. But right now, they are clearly invested in Cesaro. Um, they're also clearly invested uh, in the UFO, because I think they showed that uh, many times on the uh, post-WrestleMania uh, SmackDown. Uh, but clearly, this is the direction they want to go in, um, and now I think it's just a matter of how far do you go with Cesaro? Because here's the thing, and I wrote this article for 411mania.com. You can still, you can find it over there and I'll link it in the show notes actually uh, because I, I would love your feedback. We had a ton of feedback on this article uh, and I was, I was kind of curious what people were thinking because it's a very intriguing question, which this was the title, was who should dethrone Roman Reigns as the universal champion? And really, you know, I, I picked five people that I thought could probably be the ones um, that, that could do it. And I, I made my reasoning for, for all five in that some of them, I think, for me personally, I would pick, whether that's, you know, guys like Cesaro, someone like Big E, um, current roster guys who could really, you know, elevate themselves by being the one to beat Roman Reigns. Or, you know, I also mentioned Drew McIntyre in that category, but or, you know, is it going to be the more blockbuster attraction, whether that's Brock Lesnar, whether that's The Rock, you know, down the road, um, are they going to be the ones that that sort of dethrone uh, Reigns? Or is those, are those options that WWE would consider? Um, I don't necessarily, I pointed out in the article, I don't really see it with The Rock because I don't think that The Rock beating Roman Reigns does anything for Roman Reigns. I think if that match ever actually happens, 
I think Reigns wins the match. Um, and then with Brock, you know, you never know. Uh, we always say that when it comes to Vince McMahon uh, and WWE, you never know if they, you know, kind of get the the idea that they want to put the belt on Lesnar. Um, but I think overall, for me, I don't see Cesaro, if they do have this match at WrestleMania Backlash, like many people, and I'm sure most of the people listening right now, you're probably not going to think that Cesaro is going to win this title. Um, one of the things I mentioned in the column as well is I think we're actually looking at a pretty lengthy run here for Roman Reigns. If you were going to take the belt off of him, WrestleMania was the place to do it because you had Edge, you had Daniel Bryan. Um, I think either one of those guys winning, you know, that sets you off in a, in a new direction. But he pinned both of those guys, and we talked about it with Andrew. Um, it was as dominant of a, of a finish as you could have for a, a character like Reigns. And so the fact is, now I think you look forward, it's good for Cesaro to be in the spot where he's he's in the main event segment here with Roman Reigns. And again, probably looking at a match uh, between the two where it's really going to be able to, even if he doesn't win, it's going to do something for Cesaro. And it at least proves that WWE right now sees him as a guy that in that spot against Reigns can really succeed. Uh, but I don't necessarily see him being the one to win this right away. Um, sure, could they do a match here now? Down the road, maybe it's a rematch. Um, you have sort of the redemption path. We've seen redemption stories told uh, over the years in wrestling. That's certainly a possibility. But uh, I don't think anyone's taking the belt off of Reigns just yet. Uh, so the fact is, now that they paired him with Cesaro, uh, that just seems like another sort of stepping stone uh, for Reigns here as he moves throughout his reign. And, and again, I pointed out in the column, um, I could see Reigns losing at SummerSlam, maybe, if there's a crowd. It may not be until next WrestleMania. Like, I know that's a long time in WWE, um, you know, storylines, but I, I don't think Roman Reigns is losing the title until there is an actual crowd. And if you didn't do it at WrestleMania when you had an actual crowd, um, then it's the, you start to look ahead and say, okay, when's the next time? Because you're not going to waste this type of reign, one of the most well-booked championship reigns that WWE's had in a long time. You're not going to waste that, um, I think, just in the Thunderdome atmosphere. Um, so I think that's what you have to keep in mind here. Uh, but still, that doesn't mean we're not going to have a really fun feud here between Reigns and Cesaro, um, which we're already tying in Jey Uso. And there are a lot of other elements you can tie in. Of course, Roman uh, Seth Rollins is going to be in the mix too. So how maybe Seth factors into things, um, that's another thing that you kind of look at here. But I, I think this is clearly, you know, one of the best things they're doing here coming out of WrestleMania is this main event feud uh, on SmackDown with Roman Reigns and Cesaro. On the Raw side, I think the most noteworthy thing, or at least the thing people are talking about the most right now, is the Charlotte Flair suspension uh, after she has kind of, um, you know, run roughshod over uh, Raw the past couple weeks, where she came back after WrestleMania. She had the promo uh, basically, you know, talking about how she was left out and, you know, she's not going to be in that position and, and she's basically taking it into her own hands now. Um, you know, the whole referee thing and, and all this other stuff they're doing with her. Um, I know there is a certain segment uh, of fans that uh, probably um, have had their fill of Charlotte uh, over the years, just in terms of the the spotlight she's been in um, and, and, you know, the, the high premier matches um, that she is typically placed in and, and the storylines. I mean, she's, she's always at the top. I think when you're talking about the top, uh, you know, women's division storylines in WWE, and that's no different here as she is factoring into the mix here with with Asuka, Rhea Ripley, um, you know, what direction does that go in? 
right now, I mean, you know, there are lots of possibilities. You could do triple threats. You could do single matches. Um, there, there's a lot of ways they could go with this. Uh, but uh, I think it's, you know, it's interesting. I, I will say that. I mean, it's, you know, her not being on WrestleMania. I think that surprised a lot of people in terms of them not using her on the card. Uh, and, you know, there there's a lot of directions you can always go in with Charlotte's character. And uh, this is one that's a little different in terms of what we've seen before. But uh, for me, at least, I mean, it's clear. Like, Charlotte's a, she's a natural heel. Like, we know she they've tried to push her as a baby face and all this other stuff in the past. But um, I think that she's clearly a natural heel. And, you know, if there's an audience there, she's getting booed. And I think that, you know, especially when you look at what she's doing here recently, the past couple of weeks, you know, these are, these are the tactics that you want from a heel. And, um, I think her factoring into the mix here, I'm not sure, you know, one of the things I said earlier about champions being booked after WrestleMania, I don't know what this is necessarily going to do. I feel like Rhea Ripley, for whatever reason, like, even winning the belt, I mean, we we mentioned a little bit like the match she had with Oscar at WrestleMania was was solid, but I don't know that it ever really got a chance to to get you know off the ground. It wasn't a long match, um, you know, the one they had in the follow up. I didn't think you know there was obviously uh, some different things that didn't feel like they really clicked uh, with with those two necessarily. Um, so I think it's an important kind of point here for Rhea Ripley um, and how they actually booked this this whole storyline and, and Charlotte's involvement and all that because. You know, you just put the belt on her and you want to make sure that coming out of WrestleMania again, that's a defining win in her career is to a year after losing to Charlotte at WrestleMania, she wins the belt. And now what direction do you go in with her? And so I think that's a that's a line that, you know, you have to sort of uh, tiptoe if you're WWE because you don't want to all of a sudden um, make Rhea Ripley's reign, quite frankly, what Asuka's reign was, because I, I thought that Asuka's booking was just at times laughable in terms of, yes, she was the champion, but uh, they did not necessarily do her a lot of favors. And I think that comes back to the the overarching theme of uh, WWE's booking as a whole and just the ability to build up uh, people who aren't necessarily the champions or the ones that, you know, get all the TV time. You have to build up your entire roster and you have to find different ways to do that, whether that's, you know, two-minute promos or uh, three-minute matches or just anything, you know, to build up that lower part of the card, uh, build up your mid-card and not just focus on, um, you know, putting the same matches over and over again uh, as we've talked about before with the, you know, repeating theme, repeating storylines and repeating uh, matches, you know, five match series and all this other stuff. Um, I think that's been one of the flaws of WWE's uh, booking overall is when you have, you know, three hours on Monday, um, you've got your two hours of SmackDown on Fridays. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of time to fill and um, I think that they have to do a pretty good job here uh, with Rhea Ripley, you know, and I think at least now, you know, she is paired with Asuka and Charlotte and um, there are different pairings you can use here. Uh, but I think that's something that's going to be very important to watch here too, is yes, Charlotte Flair is kind of the one getting all the attention here, but I think you got to remember that, you know, your champion uh, is the one that, that really needs this big boost right now um, after being called up and getting that defining moment at WrestleMania. So, uh, I think that that's another aspect that you have to look at moving forward with how they book uh, Rhea Ripley as the new Raw Women's Champion. And speaking of uh, new women's champions, Bianca Belair, um, she, uh, I said it, you know, we, we talked about it last week. Um, she just, she feels like a star. Like she is just one that you saw it at WrestleMania. Um, that match pretty much universally lauded um, in terms of how well that they executed that. And now at least it seems like, you know, you're going to see her, 
um, tied into the mix with Bailey uh, here in the short term. Um, you have to believe that there's going to be that rematch with Sasha. My guess is, uh, you know, can they hold that off to SummerSlam? Um, if that's sort of the next point you look at and say that's when you're going to have your live crowd for a big event again. Uh, if so, I could see them finding a way to hold that off and do that rematch at SummerSlam. Um, will they do it earlier? Sure they could. I mean, they, they could always do that um, earlier if they want. But I think that's that's what I, I look at, at least right now in the back of my mind. I'm trying to say, okay, if I put myself in WWE shoes, which can be a dangerous thing sometimes, um, you're thinking about this too from a crowd standpoint. You saw the reaction at WrestleMania. You saw the different things. Um, that really stood out and, and who the crowd supported. I mean, again, Bianca, um, a huge crowd reaction. Like, and we talked about Cesaro, someone else. Um, these are ones that I think you look at and say, okay, we need to put these people in spots where when we do have a crowd again, um, we know the type of reaction, or at least if we can build the people the way we built them going into that WrestleMania, um, these are people that get reactions. And I think for Bianca, you know, there are a lot worse options than having to pair her uh, with Bailey, who gets back into the mix, into the title picture here, uh, if they do have that match at WrestleMania Backlash. Um, and then again, the, the Sasha match, they're going to do the eventual rematch at some point. Um, and then, it's, you know, it's just a matter of how do you get to that point. Um, and of course, you know, you're tying in Bailey and you've got the whole Bailey-Sasha thing. So um, that is an intriguing uh, storyline, I think, just to kind of see what they do with Bianca here. Um, you know, first, I mean, there hasn't been much since WrestleMania 37, uh, but, uh, you know, I just think that she's a star and they need to make sure, you know, they, they, they book her as such because, um, she is one that, that has, um, all the momentum right now, um, in terms of this, this company. And, uh, I think that, you know, that they certainly need to, uh, continue, uh, on that front with her and, uh, we'll finish up here. Obviously there are other storylines in the company, but, um, the, the main storyline too, I guess, from the men's standpoint, on Raw is Drew McIntyre seemingly getting closer, I guess, to the rematch with Bobby Lashley, but uh, he is having to go through uh, T-Bar and Mace to get there, and I can't say this has felt like the strongest uh, WrestleMania uh, fallout and, and the post-WrestleMania development for Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley if, uh, again, this is what they're heading towards I just, you know, we said it from the beginning with Retribution. Um, there's only so much you can do, and this was something that was going to sort of follow the characters involved, and I know, you know, that they have moved over. Um, you know, Slapjack and, and Mia Yim have both been moved to SmackDown, you know, according to the reports. Um, so that's good for them, is they can move away from the Retribution thing. And clearly, they're also moving T-Bar and Mace away from the Retribution idea, that, you know, the unmasking and all this other stuff that they've done here uh recently that that's a good step but it's going to take a while i think for people to realize that or maybe i'm not sure i would think that wwe realizes this but i'm not exactly sure uh you would think that they understand that it's going to take a while for people to actually uh fully buy into these characters even if you do have guys like t-bar and mace who you know are pretty big dudes and you know they can get over with their physicality and their athleticism but um there there's still people that a lot of people looked at and said you know why should i care or buy into these characters for a very long time uh with how long this retribution storyline ran um so i think that you know if wwe is expecting them just for everyone to look at them as as true threats to drew mcintyre right now i, I think that's hard to do uh just based off of how they were booked prior to that um and now we're just all of a sudden supposed to care and and look at these guys as true, you know, legitimate threats to Drew McIntyre, who is 
you know, ran through the entire roster on that side over the past year or so. And, and I just don't think they've, they've done that yet. And, and, you know, it's, it's fine to have MVP pulling the strings and all this other stuff. But I think it just goes back to why do you break up the hurt business in the first place? If this was the direction you were going to go in um, there, there's just so many other directions. I think they could have went with, you know, this whole drew McIntyre and even just Bobby Lashley as a champ. Um, I just, you know, this is one where WWE has its swings and misses and uh, this to me thus far, uh, I'm willing to, I'm willing to wait, see where it goes from here. But I just think this is one that, uh, you know, you look at the reaction, at least thus far uh, from wrestling fans. And I just don't know that this is one that's necessarily hitting uh, the way that, you know, for example, a, a Roman Reigns Cesaro type feud uh, right now is hitting for, for WWE fans. So uh, we'll see what they decide to do uh, on that front. But at least right now, um, I think that that, you know, the McIntyre and having to interact with uh, T-Bar and Mace is, it's not doing a whole lot for him. Oh, I mean, I, I understand, you know, for them, it's a big deal because you are trying to present them as a more serious threat uh, versus whatever they were before um, as retribution. I don't even know how you would have labeled that, uh, but uh, I think that that's, a, that's good for them. But overall, I think this is sort of one of those, um, you know, post WrestleMania uh, lulls here uh, in terms of not really knowing if this is the, the storyline that's maybe going to get over uh, the way they expect it to. And as for everything else, uh, if you want me to get into the whole um, Nia Jax uh, slipping and uh, just that whole ordeal, I, I just, I can't. I'm sorry, folks. I just, I just can't do it. Uh, but anyways, uh, lots going on in the world of professional wrestling. You can find it all over at 411mania.com. Check out uh, all the reviews we have. We've got lots of news, of course. Uh, we're bringing back some some really exciting columns. Uh, Tony Acero has brought back uh, the three R's, a longtime favorite uh, on 411, so you can check that out uh, for thoughts on all the big shows uh, each week. As I mentioned earlier, I'm doing some columns. Uh, you can check out my Roman Reigns column I have over there. I'm also currently putting together uh, a column on the most underutilized talent in WWE kind of goes into the theme uh, we talked about uh, throughout this episode, uh, but uh, I'll have that up uh, this week as well. And as always, uh, we'll have the link to the GoFundMe for Larry Zonka's family in the show notes uh, of this episode. So please continue to share and contribute if you can and uh, everything else you can find over at 411mania.com. Uh, thanks as always for listening to the podcast and uh, we'll talk to you next time here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. 